Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back once again to another Lights, Camera, Sports podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host, Mike Galtieri. So happy to have you back once again. And, you know, we're in August and college football is right around the corner. So we're lucky enough to be joined by the one and only, you know him, Phil Steele. He writes all those publications for college football. Uh, the Phil Steele College Football Preview every year We around this time of year. Such a special, special journey. And uh, with that, we welcome Phil. And uh, Phil, this is a great time of year. Oh, I tell you what, Mike, compared to last year at this time, it is a wonderful time of year. Last year, we're wondering if we're playing football or not. Schedules are changing by the week. No fans in the stands. Uh, now we're back to normal, full stadiums. I am just so pumped up for this upcoming football season. That's so cool, so cool. All right, Phil, I like to profile all my guests, and you have a very interesting story. Just tell me, were you always into football growing up? Was that your sport you played? And just kind of give us your early childhood story. Yeah, definitely uh, growing up, football was king for me. Well, all sports were king. I mean, you played every sport that was out there, but uh, football was always my favorite. I can remember it uh, four year, when I was young, uh, four years old, following football. The Cleveland Browns at that time were very good. And, uh, you know, what I did is about uh, when I was uh, 21, I started writing a football newsletter and uh, put that out and did that for about seven years. But what, what happened was uh, I would buy all the preseason magazines that were out there and uh, jot down everything that was in every magazine on my pages. And I barely could come up with a one deep on some of these teams. There just wasn't enough information out there. So I started compiling it myself 27 years ago. And uh, we put out that first magazine. It was black and white. It was on newsprint. It was only 192 pages, I think, that first year. Uh, co- covered 88 teams. But uh, once it got out there with all the information we have on the pages, probably three to four times the amount of information in any other magazine, once somebody got their hands on it, they, they needed it each and every year. So the circulation keeps growing. And now we're, of course, full color and 27th year. And it's, uh, it's much bigger than it was when we first started out. Okay, so a couple questions. First of all, where where did you grow up? What region are you from in the United States? Uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. On the shores of beautiful Lake Erie. Okay, guys, so you're Midwest, Big Ten country. And is that how you started? Did you start calling the coaches to get the two deep? Because this is kind of before internet. How did you kind of compile all year? Because with college football, it changes every four years or so. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, back 27 years ago, uh, we would just go using whatever, sort of contact the schools. The schools are the send us their rosters. I really didn't start talking to the coaches till the magazine was established, probably about, uh, I would say, eight to ten years that the magazine was out. Then I finally started talking to some of the coaches. Uh, I think the first year I talked to maybe the MAC coaches, uh, maybe 12 coaches that season, and each year it's grown. This year we got up to talking to 110 of the 130 head coaches this year. And, uh, you know, each year the magazine grows, the access gets a lot easier. Wow, that's really cool. So then talk about how you kind of progressed the last 10 years. ESPN got in the mix, and how did that all play out with you as you continued to grow the publication? 
Yeah, that worked out really well. Uh, you know, I was on with, assigned with ESPN for three years, and we traveled to Bristol, do a bunch of sports centers and things like that, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Got to take my daughter with me on, a, on one of the trips, which was really neat. Uh, but now just sort of focused on the magazine. It's it's really uh, just such a time-consuming process. It takes seven months to write this magazine wow. each year. Uh, me and my staff working on nothing but the college football magazine. I don't follow any other sport anymore, Mike. I, I don't follow baseball, basketball, very little NFL as well. I'm just a college football guy right now, and it takes up all my time. During the season, i got 12 TVs in front of me during the college football Saturday. And then during the week, I'm watching replays of the games, uh, taking notes. Uh, it's just a, it's an ongoing process. Yeah, that's a great segue to my next question. It, it, so I, you answered it. Basically, this is a full-time, year-round job. You're, you're locked in. Yeah, and my best two months of the year, Mike, are right now, July and August. I'm only working maybe uh, you know 50 hours a week doing a bunch of radio and TV shows. Other than that, I'm kicking back, enjoying life with my family. But uh, once football season starts, it's 100-plus-hour work weeks. And during the magazine season, that seven-month process, a lot, a lot, a lot of long weeks. Okay, so take me into Phil Steele's, you know, midweek, October, week six. Just kind of, if you can, go day by day, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, leading up to, you know, on normal college football Saturdays. Yeah, well, let's start on Saturday. Uh, you know, okay. first thing in the morning, you fire the TVs up. Uh, you got all 12 games on all day long. Got a lot of Diet Mountain Dew trying to keep track of all 12 <laughs> games. Luckily, I, you know, when you have 12 games on, sometimes the plays are only on maybe two or three of the games at a time. So I, I try to keep track of all the games all day long, and it's it just don't come in my office and interrupt me. Then on Sundays... Uh, since I've been sitting at a desk all day Saturday, I'll be walking around watching games, uh, tape games, trying to get a little bit of exercise in, making notes, uh, getting all my notes for the team, updating all the power ratings, uh, looking at next week's matchups. Uh, the, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is going through the play-by-play of each and every game from the past week. I know I watched them, but it never hurts to, to relive them and, and actually go through the play-by-play. Maybe you miss something. So I do go through the play-by-play of every single game. I write a newsletter called Inside the Press Box where I forecast the games for the upcoming week. That takes a lot of my time. Do my radio shows during the week and then uh, watch as many games as I can. Get all the latest up-to-date injury information, everything that's happening. And then it's Saturday again. Watch all the games over again. So it's a it's a long process each week during the season. You're going. You're, you have a lot of fun. I bet. Hey, what what is your in your time before we get into the BC Boston College? But the, what's been your favorite football season? Is there a num, uh, year like 1995, 98, 2000, whatever it may be? What sticks out for you? Uh, I would have to say uh, there's, oh. there's been a lot of good years. Uh, generally, the years where. Uh, my magazine predictions do their best, uh, and, and there's there's been a lot of those. In fact, people ask me every year, they go, Phil, do you have a favorite team? I'm like, yep, whoever I pick higher than everybody else that year. For example, this year, I'm an Oklahoma Sooner and Washington Husky fan this season, Okay, uh, and it varies from, from um, every every single season, but they've all been pretty pretty fun for me, Mike, all the, all the way through. It hasn't been one that stood out uh, specifically. And do you go to any of the games? Do you have a favorite stadium, or do you mostly just stay home and watch from afar? Yeah, it was interesting. I just did a magazine signing in Columbus, and somebody asked me how many times I get to the Ohio State game, and I said, I don't, because if I did, it would take a two-hour drive to Columbus, 
three and a half hours, four hours for the game, two hours driving back. I would have missed 36 games on TV. I can't afford to do that. I follow all 130 teams, so I'm pretty much here in my office every Saturday watching 12 games all day long. Very impressive. Okay, Phil, let's get right into it. We're a New England-based podcast, uh, Boston College. First of all, just like a big picture view in your era just what do you think the national perspective is on Boston College in general? Going back, you know, Tom O'Brien, Jeff Jagosinski, Spaziani, uh, Jeff Halfley, Steve Adazio. What's the whole era been in uh, just the general take of BC? Well, I think with BC, there's been a lot of highs. I mean, there, there's been those big games and those big wins that BC has had. They pulled the big upsets on national TV. So I think that gets them on the radar. There's also been. Uh, let's face it, a lot of mediocrity. You go back and you take a look at the last uh, 10 years. Uh, BC hasn't won more than seven games the last 10 years. So that's it's sort of been one thing. But I think nationally, anytime you go play BC, fans think the upset is a possibility because there's been so many big ones that have happened. And what's your take now year two, Jeff Halfley? Obviously, coming off the Adazio, different mindset. What's your whole take with him now as we, you know, last year was a little bit of a rocky year, 2020, just because of COVID. But where, where do you think everything progresses here? I'm really excited about this year's Boston College team. Uh, when when you take a look at last year, uh, it was probably, it was the worst year to be a first-year head coach. Coach Halfley took over. I remember talking to him post-spring, although there wasn't really a spring last year. And uh, he didn't really know his team that great because he hadn't seen him on the practice field so uh this year much different uh, coach Halfley has you know had an entire year with the team they know him he knows them and uh, all, i think all first year head coaches were behind the eight ball but for being behind the eight ball last year to come out of there with a six and five record i was very impressed now the one unit when if i want to focus in on the unit it's going to be the offensive line because uh, last year i looked at the pieces they had for the offensive line. And granted, it was a new system. Going from the Dazio offense to the Halfley offense was a big change. But I was surprised they only averaged 3.1 yards per carry and allowed 28 sacks on the year. However, you look at the five guys they've got, Lindstrom, Mahogany, Johnson, Petrula, and Vrabel, uh, they've got five NFL-caliber guys basically up front. I think they're going to have one of the most improved offensive lines in the country. Got an outstanding quarterback in Phil Jerkovic. Uh, Travis Levy, Alex Singfield, a couple of dynamic running backs. And look at that receiving court. Jalen Gill, the Ohio State transfer, I think he's going to have a big season this year. Then team him with Zay Flowers, Kobe White, uh, C.J. Lewis, plenty of talent there. And then you've got the big tight end and Trey Berry coming in at 6'7", 245. I think he's going to be a matchup uh, nightmare for opponents. So I love the offense this year. They're going to be potent. Now, last year's defense wasn't great. They gave up 417 yards per game. But it's the second year of the defense. They add in an Isaiah Graham Mobley from Temple at the linebacker spot. Chris Banks comes in at nose guard uh, also from Temple this year. They add in a Jaden Lars Woodby from Florida State. And they've got some pretty good talent returning. I don't think they're going to have a dominant defense, but they will have an improved defense to go with a very potent offense. Halfley's in year two. I think that they, they've got uh, a legitimate shot this year of – and I'm not going to call for them to get past Clemson, but they have a legitimate shot of finishing in second place in the Atlantic Division this year. Very interesting. What What's the role you think other coaches in the ACC think of Boston College right now? That it's been 15 years now in the ACC, coming from the Big East. What do you think the perception is, and really down south? Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm, based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. 
CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com. Uh, like I said, I, I think teams, everybody respects BC. You, when you play, when you play Boston College, uh, it's going to be a tight game, probably at the worst case scenario, uh, for BC. Uh, and they can definitely pull the upset. And I think right now, uh, folks are looking at Boston College as one of the upper level teams in the ACC, as they should. And then the, you mentioned the receivers, the national union. What sticks out about them um, uh, for BC? We're, BC as a school, not really used to producing a lot of wide receivers. So I think that kind of sticks out in my mind, Phil. Yeah, it, it's been a big change because, let's face it, Coach Adazio wanted a big physical offensive line. So running back, fullback, tight ends, run the football right down your throat. And the emphasis was not on the receiving core. Uh, Jalen Gill is a guy that was my uh, number six rated guy out of high school uh for when he signed at, at ohio state he had seven starts last year got his feet wet i thought he did well then you take a look at Dave flowers one of the more under the radar receivers in the country while he's only 5 11 178 he can take the top off it's under with the underneath routes he can catch it and run it and he's ex- got extreme quickness so he's a guy to really look out for this year and then kobe white uh can't wait to get him back he had a breakout year uh, and then uh, last year uh, wasn't quite there, or last year he had the torn ACL, I should say. So getting him back into the lineup, teamed with Flowers, teamed with Gill, that's going to make for a very dangerous receiving core. And then, like I said, keep your eyes on Trey Berry, that six foot seven tight end uh, who comes over from Jacksonville State. He's got a lot of experience. He's got the size. And uh, I think that you really can't isolate one wide receiver and try to take him away because there's so much depth. Do you think, in general, the philosophy you mentioned, the Adazio run versus now, the, the change, do you think that's a good idea for Boston College and that type of school? Or a lot of people still say BC should be, you know, big offense line, run the ball, play good defense. Uh, I guess it's sort of, I, from what I see from afar, they're tradition, transitioning a little bit here on the uh, different mindset. Yeah, they are. And, uh, you know, it all depends who your coach is. You're going to go through changes like that. Uh, I don't think there's one that's superior to another. In fact, I think we might be seeing college football shift back into more two, three tight end sets to take advantage of teams that are now taking away that third linebacker and put a more of a safety slash linebacker in that spot. I think if you line up with two, three tight ends, you might be able to exploit that. But there's no doubt what, what Coach Affley has here on offense. This offense is going to work this year, and it's going to work very well. And then do you think, how, quickly, special teams, we think it's going to be all right on the B.C. perspective? Yeah, I've got them uh, number 45 in the country. Uh, so I, I've got them in as one of the, the top units. Uh, last year they were number 62. They got the whole unit back, so I think the special teams will be solid. And then recruiting-wise, we've I've seen an uptick in the last two years since Halfley's come up nationally and just the recruiting base. I guess if you're a coach at BC, what are you selling high school kids about how to play, why you want to go to a BC, say, over another ACC-similar type school? Well, I think Halfley is a, a big part of that. He's got a lot of experience. He's got the NFL experience. The fact, he was with the Niners and with the Browns and with the Bucks, So he could say, hey, I know what it takes to get to the NFL. He's He's young. He's a personable guy, and I think it's a big plus having a guy like Jeff Halfley as your head coach because he can relate to relate to the kids and get them what they're looking for. Let's face it, everybody that signs to play college football thinks they're going to the NFL, right? Well, Coach Halfley is a guy that can get you there. 
Okay, Phil, thanks a lot. A couple more minutes. Appreciate the ACC now. Who, who are we looking at from a BC perspective? What's the teams maybe in our division who we want to watch out? What are we thinking about the ACC, maybe the Atlantic, obviously other than Clemson? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mike. I, I went out on a limb and I picked Clemson to win the Atlantic. How's that for <laughs> taking a chance this year? But uh, I think the, the, the teams that uh, BC's got to worry about the most would be uh, North Carolina State. Now, NC State's got 19 returning starters. They may have the second most talented team in the Atlantic Division, but they do draw a tougher schedule than does Boston College. In fact, they have to play BC on the road. They draw both Miami and North Carolina out of the Coastal Division. They host Clemson, and if you lose that, that means that your more winnable games are on the road. They only have three home games that would be considered in the winnable. They also host North Carolina, which is a big game at the end of the year. So they have a tough schedule, but I think NC State's clearly a threat to Boston College this year. And then Wake Forest. And when I talked to Coach Clawson this year, he pointed out this is the deepest team he's had. And if you look back at Wake Forest over the last five years and look at those last three games of the season, they've pretty much had a losing record every year. And he's told me that's because they really haven't had the depth and they've worn down at the end of the year. Uh, This year, with 20 returning starters, they have the depth, and he feels they won't wear down at the end of the year. Plus, of the teams in the Atlantic, they probably draw the best schedule. They do play North Carolina, but that one doesn't count as a conference game. So their schedule is probably the best of the three teams, and I would consider them another prime challenger. I do think Florida State and uh, Louisville are two teams that can upset anybody on, in any week. Uh, Louisville is a team that has gone against the grain each of their two years under Satterfield. Nobody had any expectations his first year. They went 8-5. and five. Then last year was turnovers that did them in, minus 12 in turnovers. They were actually plus 75 yards per game going 4-7. and seven. They've got Malik Cunningham back at quarterback, but they do lose their top running back in Jalen Hawkins. They do lose their top two receivers in Des Fitzpatrick and Tutu Atwell. They're a real wild card team out there. And then Florida State, Mike Norvell was one of those first-year head coaches like Coach Halfley last year that uh, didn't have the benefit of spring and went through the growing pains. He's got 10 starters back on offense. It'll be really interesting to see if Mackenzie Milton can return to the form that he had at Central Florida. They've got talent. I thought their defense, very disappointing last year. They've got talent on defense. They should be better. Uh, I think Florida State and Louisville are threats as well. And then I will put Syracuse in that seventh spot. I'm still waiting to see if they can get back there. I know they have an experienced team, but there is a long way to go. They were only 1-10 in 10 last season. Yeah, that's amazing. They were just, what, two years ago? They had 10 wins or 11 wins in the year? Yeah, Sorry. 10 and 3. 10 and 3. They're local to here, so we follow them. All right, on the coastal side, who, who's going to challenge Clemson, do you think? I got North Carolina and Miami. I think the winner of their game on October 16th most likely wins the coastal. Uh, North Carolina's got Sam Howell at QB, Ty Chandler at running back. Uh, and uh, while they do lose their top two running backs from last year, Michael Carter, Javante Williams, and it won't be as good in a run game. Their offensive line has improved, and defensively, they look good getting off the bus. They've got size and speed. Mac Brown's doing an incredible job recruiting there. They're going to be extremely tough. And then Miami, they've got 19 returning starters coming back. If De'Ara King remains healthy, look out. They've got Cam Harris, uh, and they're loaded on both sides of the ball. They do play Alabama and have to play North Carolina on the road. And then my dark horse in the uh, Coastal is actually Pitt. And when I look at Pitt, uh, Narduzzi's done a great job with the defensive line. They lose uh, Rashad Weaver. They lose Patrick Jones. But he always does a good job replacing them. They've got an excellent back seven. And offensively, keep your eyes on Israel Abenkanda. I mean, he's a guy that's uh, rocked up. He's got 4-3 speed. They haven't had a run game the last couple of years. I think he gives them a run game. 
team now with an NFL caliber quarterback in Kenny Pickett. They've got a receiving core that rivals Boston College with Jordan Anderson, Tasir Mack, Shockey Jacques-Louis. And how about their tight end, Lucas Kroll? He's a guy that's really going to emerge this year. The offensive line is veteran. They get North Carolina at home. They get Miami at home. They get Clemson at home. And Arduzzi's pulled some upsets in the past. So if you're looking for a real wild card in the ACC, look at the Pitt Panthers this year. Because two of the road games, one's against Duke and one's against Syracuse, who probably be favored in those, they've got a real good chance of surprising. Okay, put a bow tie on BC. Can you give us a prediction record-wise? Uh, yeah, I could do that. Uh, for BC, I've got them an underdog in two games this year at Clemson and a slight underdog at Louisville. i got a couple of toss-up games, the NC State game and the Georgia Tech game on the road. So overall, I'm going to go with nine wins for Boston College. I, I like BC this year. I'm going to say that they get to nine and potentially even ten wins this season. This is a, a dangerous team. A lot of potential, a lot of expectations. All right, Phil, before I let you go, just nationally, I'd like to get your thoughts. Oklahoma, Texas going to the SEC, and then who other teams would like to watch throughout the country? Yeah, I think we're headed for four 16-team super conferences, and that appears where we're headed with the Texas-Oklahoma shift. Uh, you know, my, my final four this year, Mike, really going out on a limb. I've got Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, and Oklahoma, so I'm pretty much <laughs> going with the chalk there. But if you're looking for a sleeper this year, a team that comes way out of the blue, I'd go with the Washington Huskies. And my number one surprise teams in the magazine have done extremely well. You go back to 2016. My surprise teams, by the way, are non-top ten teams that I think can make the playoff. 2016, Washington was my number one surprise team, and they made the playoff that year. Uh, 2018, Notre Dame was not in the top ten. They were my number one surprise team. They made the playoff that year. Last year I had Texas A&M coming off a five-loss season. They very nearly got there. They were there on Selection Sunday with Ohio State. The reason I like Washington this year is twofold. They've got the talent. They've got a big offensive line, averages 328 pounds per man, deep set of running backs, two veteran quarterbacks, and a good receiving core. Defensively, they've had two and six returning starters the last two years. This year they have eight. And then you throw in the fact that they're scheduled. They avoid USC and Utah to the south. Two toughest games are Arizona State and Oregon. They get them both at home. Uh, and I think home field edge is going to be huge this year, Mike, with the fans being allowed to return to the games. They're going to be extra loud and extra excited to be there. So I actually have Washington favored in all 12 games. They are my number one surprise team in the country. And I believe right now they're number 21 in the coaches, poll. So keep your eyes on the Washington Huskies this year. Yeah, they always seem to do well the last four or five years coming on strong in the Pac-12. What a beautiful setting for college football in Seattle, too. I've been oh, to that yeah. standing a couple times. All right, Phil. Well, my last question for you, and before just to wrap everything else out, on a free day when you have no college football going on, what does Phil Steele do during his free time? What do you like to do when there's no football going on? Well, July and August, uh, probably my favorite thing to do is uh, go to Cedar Point with my daughter. We nice. like to ride all the rides, and uh, so it's a, it's a good day. We get there early, about uh, 9 in the morning when the park opens. We leave when the park ends at 11 and ride about 50, 60 rides during the day. So that's, that's probably my favorite thing to do in the summer. My daughter's 15, so I'm uh, cherishing these moments with her. Wow, you put a 14-hour day in, huh, at the amusement park. Wow. <laughs> Your legs must be tired the yeah, next day. they got a lot of rides. They'll, they'll keep you busy. <laughs> All right, Phil Steele's College Football Preview. Please tell my listeners where can they buy it and uh, where can they access it. I appreciate that, Mike. Uh, it's available at Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. Uh, Giant Eagles have them as well right now. Uh, so they are hitting a few more places. The season's about to start. 
it's 352 pages. It's like getting 130 different media guys rolled into one. We give you two full pages on every team, all the information in the same spot on every page for every team. And we give you the same amount of coverage on a team like Akron or UL Monroe that we do on Alabama and Oklahoma, two full pages. Now, the magazine has mentioned Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Giant Eagles, and you can also go online. It's at philsteel.com. That's S-T-E-E-L-E.com, and you can order it right there. If you order it online, you can get the hard copy and then get the digital version at $10 off. And with the digital version this year, Mike, we're updating it all the way up to the start of the football season. So if a player's out for the year, we'll have them circled in the magazine. If they added the transfer since the magazine went to the press June 15th, we'll have them added on the pages. It'll all be up-to-date information for you as of the start of the season. So go to philsteel.com, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, or Giant Eagle. All right, I'm going to go to philsteel.com today and get my copy. You got me all all fired up uh, for this. I feel I wish we could talk for hours. There's so much to get into, but I really appreciate the time. This is a great time of year. It sure is, Mike, and I appreciate you having me on. It was great talking football with you today. Thanks for having me on. Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm based in the Boston area and owned by BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amaj Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at chestnuthilltechnologies.com. That's chestnuthilltechnologies.com.